the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Spot Track Podcast. I'm Kevin Sylvester, along with Paul Peck and the founder of SpotTrack.com, Mike Gennetti. Today's episode brought to you by The Athletic. The Athletic, the subscription based sports news site, delivering in depth sports coverage for real fans. Get detailed coverage on every trade free agent signing, and storyline on your team and your league with their expert analysts and national writers like Ken Rosenthal, Michael Lombardi, Pierre Lebrun, just to name a few. We'll tell you about a special offer later on in the show from The Athletic and their great content. Uh, We're going to get into NHL salary cap, and I think the one thing that you're probably sick of hearing about uh, across the country, across the world, frankly, is going to affect the NHL salary cap in a moment. But as far as overall coronavirus – uh, and how it's affecting sports and the money in sports, we don't know yet. Uh, we can make assumptions that less people are going to go to sporting events, and that is certainly going to affect revenues for teams and for leagues, but it may increase advertising revenue for the broadcasters because more eyeballs will be on those never events. Never thought of that. Never, yeah. th- never thought right. of that. Is that really a bad thing then for the leagues? Well, well, for the league, yes, because let's let's go to the NHL. Sure, the NHL. There already is a. Uh, they already have the the broadcast contract in place, unless there is a bump above revenues for, let's say, uh, Bell mm-hmm. in Canada. Um, if people aren't going and they got more eyeballs and the ratings are higher and they're able to charge higher ad rates for a playoff round for a team, then. Perhaps that's good for the league, but the NHL makes so much money off their gate, the tickets in the NHL. They rely on that money so much. Absolutely. That's that's how the players get paid right now. (laughs) When I worked for the Sabres, um, Rough Ball Park, a home playoff game was worth a million dollars in profit. And that's those, just one and game. That was a while ago. That I mean, was a while ago. That was it's ten years ago, yeah. right? Yes, almost over ten years ago. Huge. I mean, making the playoffs was just enormous. Just it was it was a, a bonus, and every round you go, prices go up even higher. I mean, you got to share some of that with the NHL, but uh, it, it's a boon to many of these teams, and that's why, frankly. You know they want Toronto in the playoffs. They want Montreal. Want New York. You want you. They want the big Chicago, uh, the big markets in there because they're used to paying higher ticket prices. Yeah, uh, with it. But if people aren't uh, going to go to games, and let's look at San Jose for example, Santa Clara County has put a ban on gatherings right now over a thousand people. Well. San Jose is in Santa Clara County, their uh, arena that they play in there, and they're, they have a home game next. Uh, we're recording this on a Tuesday, next Tuesday, St. Patrick's Day, and we got the green beer scheduled for that, right? Of course. Yes, great. Um, uh, you know, th- they have three games this month, and they're going to have to wait and see. They may, they may play the game without fans. Which hasn't happened yet anywhere in the United States. Is We haven't gotten to that point yet where games are being played in empty arenas. Now, they could have 500 fans there. I mean, less sure. than 1,000. I've actually, I actually worked a Hornets game back in the day. Before they moved to Oklahoma City, the Charlotte Hornets had a game. I forget the opponent where there's less than – there was maybe 1,000 people at the game because of a snowstorm in Carolina. <laughs> sure. And it was incredible. Um, nobody there. Matter of fact, later in the game – uh, it was either a friend or a family member of David Wesley 
at the Times, <laughs> like three minutes ago, says, yo, Dave, I'm leaving. And David turns, yeah, all right, see you. <laughs> Stuff you normally wouldn't hear. It was kind of eerie. Is it going to be 500 fans, but you have to s- skip four seats in between, right? It's like kindergartners in trouble, right? Uh, maybe. I don't. Well, you know, maybe. I, I You know, I no, nobody knows at this point. Um, the problem is there's so much information out there right now and i'm not going to give any information because i'm not a medical doctor i i'm just going to wash my hands you know the scary thing is people are just now washing their hands (laughs) right no wash my hands now what the hell you've been doing the thing is the virus hits and people turn to toilet paper right like like, what's happening yeah that's yeah (laughs) you should use that anyways yeah yeah let's talk up on that always let's just let's just make that a thing um so a couple of things that to tack on here as we get into the nhl stuff you mentioned the big markets it's also not Canadian markets, and they've had this problem for a while now, guys. I mean, this has been look. Montreal's been up and down. Ottawa's been bad. Toronto's yeah. been bad. Yeah. Okay. I. I, I mean, Toronto I, shouldn't be bad, by the way. It's ridiculous. They spent so much money on scoring goals. Yes. Um, Edmonton's there. I mean, they're they're going to be a playoff, you know, contender for sure. Vancouver. Winnipeg is right? is, is is there. Vancouver's there. They're going to be in. Outside of that, you look across these NHL standings. I mean, you're talking Columbus, Boston, Washington, Philadelphia, Tampa Bay. It's American markets, which is great, except that doesn't align well with these TV deals and with the, with the actual revenue that the league can make, right? Well, some of them, it's yes. It's a small piece of the puzzle is what I'm saying. It is right? a small piece of Canadian the puzzle. Canadian teams winning is better for hockey. No question. Overall, no yes. No question. You yes. know, what's interesting, we talked about this on the show a little bit before, that the, the NHL has become so reliant on the big money in the Canadian media markets because it's such a big deal and the sport is so important up there but basketball is starting to chip into that with uh, with the run of the raptors and you kind of wonder if that golden goose of <laughs> of tsn and bell and some rogers and stuff is that is, is that gonna stop uh is it gonna particularly because the teams haven't ultimately been that successful well they they are when they made the deal um uh, you know, I don't have this uh, all the facts, but when they made the the big deal, the billion dollar television deal uh, with Bell, when they made that deal with the NHL, I believe the dollar was at par or close to par, and then it dropped like twenty percent, and then they had all these layoffs, and they've seen some contraction in talent um, over the, like Nick Kiprios, mm-hmm. for example, um, just you know a guy who I think is pretty good on television, but uh, didn't renew his deal. I, it's got to be money, right? Figure out people are watching, anyways. So uh, they already had a little hit there, Paul, uh, because of the Canadian dollar dropping. And frankly, what's just happened in the markets this week, the yep. American dollar. Right. And the Canadian is going to follow. There's no it, question. Yeah, and the, the Canadian will follow suit. Right. So that's another piece of this puzzle as well. And Canadian teams pay their players at U.S. dollars. Right. So um, <laughs> therefore, they, they lose money. So the smart Canadian owners would, when it was even, they – would have been smart to buy a ton of American currency, sure. dollar for dollar. There was an analyst because there was a Canadian fellow I worked with. That's what he was doing. He was converting his Canadian money to U.S. money uh, when it was at par, even what he had saved, he, and knowing that like it's going to go down at some point, and I'm going to make 20% on this. Yeah. So that's what teams would do, flush with cash. They would convert to American money, and so they would essentially make more. So hopefully teams have been able to do that in the Canadian market. But when it comes to the salary cap here, it's based upon revenues from the previous year. And the cap is – it's 
projected to go up, but this was before, right? The projections came out right. like a week ago. Well, I thought it was interesting, the timing of it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Look, generally speaking, this time of year, we hear that there's going to be a small increase in the NHL salary cap, and nobody really gawks at it. That's just how this thing works, right? It's a you know, 2 to 3% increase, and we go from there. Which it's at $81.5 million. Correct. Which right I, now, I can't believe in 10 years it's doubled. See, you look at it that way. I, I just... I think it's so behind the game, but I understand. And now having done a little bit more research, actually a lot more research now, I really understand why, and it's from the player side of it. Um, but, you know, the, the league puts out a, a range that the 2020 salary cap could be between 84 and 88. Right. And pretty much everybody just laughed. And, and from what I'm reading, 84 seems high. Yes. <laughs> okay? the, the, it's probably not going two and a half up based on what we're hearing right now. Oh, so, I, I would agree with that. And now the coronavirus, the the, the the chance that there'll be empty arenas, especially in the postseason, which is less than a month away. I mean, this is that the NHL postseason is going to be right in the belly of this beast, unfortunately, as, as this thing sort of escalates more and more. Uh, and we just mentioned it. The gate revenue is a ton of this revenue that impacts the salary cap, not, not to mention the player salaries, which we have to get to next here. But I just can't even imagine this thing getting $84 million next year now, knowing what I know. I. I don't see it getting 84, not with that. And just let's look at our, our home market here in Buffalo. Yeah. Uh, the team has been not very good again. And the secondary markets where a fan will go to purchase an individual game, not to the box office, right. and they can purchase that <laughs> Cup season. Cup of coffee. <laughs> right, yes, that season ticket holder's ticket for less than $10 to go to a game as opposed to paying 40 45 at the box office there. Buffalo's revenues are going to be down. Have no, to oh, be. no question. And we're the bottom market, one of the bottom markets. So it, right. know, everybody's going to be impacted by this from top to bottom. So, so let's understand how this works for the players, because that's really the most interesting part of this. We've mentioned it before on the show. Kevin, you did a really nice, nice explanation of it about how the escrow system works. Um, you know, there's really nothing like this in any other league, and it's really just a, a stability factor more than anything because of the fluctuation of the money that we've talked about here for all the different reasons, many of it being the split between Canada and the United States. But escrow is a big part of this. Look, this is how it works for the NHL player right now. You get a salary. Let's say you've got a $10 million salary for this year, which not many do, by the way. But that's, you know, that's pretty much the high salary right now in the NHL. Um, as of this year, right now, 14% of that is taken out. Correct. 14% of that, which is a high. That's the high, highest escrow percentage ever. Held back in escrow. The league for holds years. on to it. For years. Yes. The, the article I read here at The Athletic by James Myrtle, some of these players will be getting some escrow money back from 2017-18 this year. They're getting right. 3% back. Yeah. There was 11% pulled out. 3% plus interest. Yeah. But, three, but 11% was pulled out initially two years ago. They're getting 3% of it back. That's it. It's not good. No. They're, they're losing significant money. So whatever salaries you see on Track for these players, it's jaded because they are getting legitimate cash taken out of that every single year. I remember there was a year. Oh, gosh. I, I, I forget what the player. Might have, been, might have been the second year. First year they did it or second year they did it. They got everything back plus interest because the, 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 it boomed, right? So, so there's a. It there's was 8% a, initially, and they got it all back. Right. And there's a calculation that the NHLPA sort of knows that they try to play nice with. You know what I mean? And that's why they don't want a salary cap to jump. They, they can't have a salary cap jump in $10 million because that's going to mean 20% escrow. Because yes. that system is, exists. It's in the CBA. That's not going to stop. Well, part of it, it's their fault. They, they can vote on the escalator. They can. Right. But they always vote to take the low. 
Well, they well initially at the beginning they were voting yes on that five percent every single time, which I thought like, wow, you're really they, like if I'm a player, like why the hell am I voting five percent? That's more taken out of my they check. They hadn't learned. They hadn't learned. Right. They hadn't learned yet. So they, that's what I mean. The NHLPA has figured out this calculation, and they are literally they they are physically tempering the salary cap increase because it it helps everybody with the escrow situation in the long run. Except when the Vegas Golden Knights came in two years ago and went to the Stanley Cup and just exploded. I mean, the, the revenue from that team was ridiculous in comparison to everything else in the league. Everybody thought, hey, this is going to be our silver lining. Okay, we've got a cap that only increased 2, 2.5%, and we had a team that impacted the league's revenue wholeheartedly. Right? We've, we've finally got a situation where our revenue is way above where Burr Projections said it was going to be. And for some reason... The escrow just kept growing and growing and growing, and now we're at fourteen percent. It was ten percent that year. It's gone. It went up. It went up four percent in the last year and a half. So players are getting more taken out, even though the revenue increased from from the Vegas Golden Knights franchise. You think about a player making, let's just say, a million dollars. Yeah, a hundred and forty grand's held back initially, right? Yeah. Uh, now listen, we're not crying for them. They're playing a game for a living. I'm here. crying for them. Okay. Because, because well, I, no, I look I, at all these sports, and this is they're getting yeah, a tough a tough but gig right I, now. I'm saying, like, if I'm if I'm the player in the locker room. Uh, if I'm Zemgus Gergensen's, yeah. all right, from the Sabres, and I'm looking around the locker room, and Jack Eichel's over there with a $10 million hit, and let's see, I got to pay 140 grand in to help, frankly, pay his salary. That's Not right. mine. That's right. right. A million is, uh, teams can handle that. And then after that, I got to pay my agent uh, the 3%, and I've got to pay taxes on that, yep. and I've got to have two residences. Like, that money is not money. I know I mentioned this on the show before. I remember talking to Drew Stafford about this. Mm-hmm. He goes, I make $3 million, but it's not $3 million. And he goes, and believe me, I know I make a lot of money, but I'm not going to make all this money for that long. Like, he was very aware of, like, what am I going to play on 35? I think he did. Like, 35, 36, maybe 37. And he's like, I, I really got a plan for the future here. No question. Because I've got two houses. Like This you know, is not immediate life-altering money. No. Whereas an NBA, you know, player who gets his second contract, you're good for life. Yeah, good, I mean, you're we, good for you're I, done. Hey, we're talking about this over the last couple of weeks in relation to the NFL CBA. How right. most yeah, of the players similar, right? are not at the Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson level. You know, when you go on Spot Track, I know you go to the top and you look at the top. Scroll down a little bit and start getting into the average NFL player, bottom of the roster, special teams guy. To Kevin's point, you know, it, it, you know, you can be dazzled by the numbers, and let's face the, you know, millions of dollars, but it, you know, it's it's not it, it it's not the, the taxes and the agent fees and like Kevin said, uh, uh, you know, most guys have to live somewhere and play somewhere. There, there was a, a former player, um, Andrew Peters, uh, who st- still works in the media now, to do a show with him, and I, w- w- you know, this is a guy who did not make a huge salary when he played. I think the most he might have made was 800000 maybe around there. And I said to him, I go, you realize the majority of your working life, the majority of, of your work is going to be outside of hockey. Mm-hmm. Like a hockey, being a hockey player was, you look at a significant part of your young life, but I go, you didn't make enough money to sit back and, and rest. He's like, no, I didn't. He's like, I made enough, you know, to, for a house and all this other stuff. Um, but he goes, you get caught up in things, and I'm, I'm, I'm using his words. He goes, you get caught up in things, and this is stuff he talked about on the air, like, yeah, I got to keep up with the Joneses a little bit there, and he's like, well, wait a second. And he finally said, I, I got to stop buying the watches in the, in, the, in the Range Rover and stuff like that. That's for, 
you know, the Ryan Millers of the world to, to own. That's not for me to own, uh, knowing that, hey, i got to find a way to stretch this out. So when I find a job, and you think about a lot of NHL players, uh, well, it's kind of turned a bit. A lot of them are going the college route, but may come out early. Um, I think of Nathan Gerby, who came out of uh, Boston College, and he had to go back in the summers to complete his degree. Sure. Uh, still playing, by the way, for Columbus, but it, most of them come out without a college degree. Right, some who went yeah, the junior route. Home, they're leaving home at thirteen or fourteen right. years old. But but even the the players who go through college, um, uh, the more players are going to college now. But um, players I'm talking about in the past, they they didn't have training in anything else, but in hockey, and you know they need to find something to do, and it, it's, oftentimes it's not a high paying gig until they work their way up. Yeah, so I mean, you know, and again, I keep thinking of it in relation to all these discussions with the NFL, two three year con- two three year careers. So if you have a two or three year career in the NFL on average, and you're only making, and again, I know it's only a million dollars. That's that doesn't last you all that no. long. No. You, you know that doesn't last you. The average Joes of us that might make fifty or sixty grand, but we're going to do it for forty years. Well, here's the interesting thing. Let's look at the expansion team. So this is where you know this is part of the reason why owners brought expansion. This is another spot where the players union gets hosed. Um, the expansion fees that five hundred million paid by Vegas, the five hundred million paid by Seattle. That gets split amongst the owners. It does not go to the players whatsoever. The trade-off is, well, we just created you know, 50 more contracts, NHL contracts. Teams get 50 contracts. We just created 50 more jobs, 100 more jobs over two years with teams. But there's a billion dollars that spread amongst the other owners in the NHL that they can put in their pockets. In your opinion, is the escrow system still necessary in the NHL? Is the league not thriving to the point where, of where they can eliminate In my opinion, that? the escrow system was put in place because they, they weren't – it was part of, hey, we're going to be partners in this, right? So players, you have to have some skin in the game. But if we grow the revenues, you're going to get the money back plus interest, right? Um, I think no. I think we're, what, two CBAs from that, and I think it's an antiquated system at this juncture. There's no other league where no. the players p- pay escrow. The, the players – pay into the, the right. revenue. That's and ridiculous. They had Donald Fear negotiate this stuff. Yeah. And you know, part of the part of the issue is and it, and it goes to the money um and what they're making. I, I think the players put the pressure on him, hey, we need to make a deal here. Uh, you know, the owners put him through two lockouts yeah. uh to make it happen because the owners could withstand the lockouts more so than the rank and file players that we were talking about. There's just no leverage. And that's why right. the players didn't opt out of the C B A this year. You know, they could yes. have they could have locked out and got got to the negotiating board and figured this thing out, but they're going to try to do this amicably while playing hockey. I just don't see a way forward. Now, now to me, one of the milestones coming up that seems to be a, a bit of a, a great saving grace could be the, TV, the USA TV deal, which expires after next year. Except, and stay with me here, the NFL is going to be all over this, right? Yes. All over. I mean, the NFL is going to, going to re-up every single TV network in the next year and a half. The, is there going to be money left over for hockey in the in America? Truly. Well, there's another. The PGA Tour just made a significant too, deal with too. networks. The NFL is going to have the new deal, yeah. but the NBA just did theirs, right? Yeah. Major League Baseball. I don't know yet. Well, but they have the individual ones, the regional ones. Yeah, their national their their national scene is really dwindling right now. Baseball. Yes, and I think hockey's in that boat. 
I think hockey's in that boat also. I, think yes. I agree with you. The networks still need live programming because live programming is the only thing that generates any eyeballs and revenue these days. So even if it's niche live sports programming, much, you know, give NBC Sports Network credit for kind of becoming the national network of the NHL and they know what they're getting into they know that most of the country isn't necessarily making it appointment television but the parts of the country that do can generate some pretty decent ratings and it gives you it makes you a legitimate network when you have a live major sports on the one thing the NHL a new television contract needs to do is have a flex schedule in there because they have some matchups that are just, uh, you know, terrible teams uh, playing at, at certain well, times. And the other factor is the, the, the weird dynamic of, for, mo- for many years, NBC wouldn't put Canadian teams on because they don't count on their ratings. Correct. Yet you had the most dynamic player in hockey in Connor McDavid playing in Austin Matthews in Toronto, and they wouldn't put them on because there was no financial benefit to them. That's changed. They're starting to realize that to help grow the sport and thus grow their whole package, they need to show but, the stars. But the, prob- the problem with the television, and this number comes out every year, that at, let's say Pittsburgh's in the Stanley Cup Finals <laughs> against uh, San Jose. The, three, the, the top three markets are Pittsburgh, San Jose, Buffalo, right? I mean, they're... It's it yes. is it is a um, weather dependent and more of a, a home team generated sport. If you have Dallas, oh, let's let's say if you have uh, Winnipeg and Carolina in the Stanley Cup final, that's a worst case scenario for the NHL on a national rating perspective because Raleigh probably wouldn't be the number one market, but people in New York don't care, Boston don't care, Chicago they don't care. Right, those are hockey towns. Right, I'm saying, but if their team is out, they're out. Right, and that's the issue. That doesn't happen in the NFL. That doesn't happen in baseball. Doesn't happen in the NBA. We don't even. I mean, people watch those sports when they don't even have teams in their markets. That does not happen in hockey. Okay, I got some numbers here. Has and and the sport hasn't grown enough for that to happen. The end of February, so about two weeks ago, XFL on Fox, 1.8 million viewers. XFL on ABC, 1.6 million viewers. The NBA on ABC, 2.3 million viewers. College basketball on CBS, 2 million viewers. The PGA on NBC, 1.7 million viewers. College basketball on Fox, which I didn't even know that existed. Big East. Six, 680,000. Uh-oh. MLS soccer on Fox, 756,000. The NFL combine on ABC, 976,000 viewers. Do I get to guess the NHL the number? The average... NHL hockey game on NBC Sports Network. Can, can I get, give it to you? I'm going to say 280,000. 313. 313. Now, that was last year. I don't have this yeah. year's numbers yet. Could be down. Could be down. Let me give you another issue. If it's NBC, which it is, right? NBC is the national game right now for hockey. Right. I'll start at the NHL Network. Yes. Um, if the Olympics get canceled and NBC loses the Olympics, Ooh. They're, they're not paying for hockey. They're not paying for hockey. They'd pay for the XFL. Why wouldn't you pay for the XFL, who's getting 1.6 million viewers a week? Yeah, or or they'll just take that money and dump it into making sure they keep sure. what they have with the NFL or add more. The other thing is the outdoor games are way down in attendance well, and big, in there's ratings. No, there's no dazzle. The to shines the off game. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The shine, there's too they, many of them. They, so they, they, uh, Jump the shark on Yeah, those. they did. You know, when it was a one-time New Year's Day event, it was kind of cool. People would watch it. Well, now they play three or four of them a year. Yes. Uh, and, and people are like, okay, I've seen this before, and, and you know – I don't know. Now, when they hold those, I will say this: 
for the markets that have them, yeah. they're great, right? I mean, the fans go out. Certain it's markets different. really, really do well with it. I think. Yes, it, it's it's a great thing. We're gonna play outdoors. They do, uh, you know, different jerseys, yada yada yada. But yes, as far as a television thing, like oh, they're, they're playing outdoors again. Okay. So, so let me pose this to you guys as kind of like a, a finishing sentence here. Does the league? Because here's what's gonna happen. If the cap goes up two million, right, it gets to eighty three and a half next year, which I think that's probably about right, knowing everything we know now. If it goes up two million, nobody's gonna have cap space. Nobody, right? It's just life, right? And if it goes down, they're real trouble. Real trouble. So that would help the escrow percentage kind of keep at bay there, but teams wouldn't have the ability to to make moves. And if there's no player movement, there's no there's no off season interest in this league. It's just that's life. That's why the NBA is king. That's why the NFL offseason this entire past six weeks has why been a rating slam dunk. Watch the yes, but no cap space means no movement. Yes, trades can happen, but look, it's that's a limited amount of amount of transactions. I, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, the league needs to step up and go all in on one season. Push this cap ten million and don't increase that escrow. Okay, break it out. Give these teams some 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 room to work with. Let some things happen. Let the good teams get better. Let the bad teams kind of catch up a little bit. Create some more parity. Make make your big markets better. Look, the, I, I watch Premier League soccer. There's a reason Manchester City and Manchester United and Chelsea and Arsenal and Liverpool are always at the top five of the table. The league wants that. They let them go and spend like crazy. TVs want it. The leagues want it. The fans want it. So, so everybody sort of plays ball. And when, when, a, when a Cinderella comes in and, and wins, it's an incredible story, of course. But to me, that's the model the NHL has to get. We've got to get Detroit back out of the, the basement of the standings. That's, that's a hockey town, right? Minnesota is losing money right now. How is that possible? Everybody in the, in the entire state plays hockey in Minnesota, right? right? I, to me, the, the, the slam dunk markets aren't making money, and that's a real problem for this league. So... It's either you, you switch this escrow system completely and allow these players a little bit more freedom, which I'm not sure they have the financial – I don't think the league has the financial ability to do that right now, or you strike a deal with the U.S. markets that really helps everybody in a big way, and you, you stop this Canadian-U.S. market split that you've, that you've got that is hurting the league right now, or see what I propose, which is jump this cap, all right, put, take some money from somewhere, whether it's sponsorships you're going to get from this TV, the, the TV situation that they – Look, if the postseason is all television, no gates, no tickets, they better go make some money on advertising. Yes. They better because this could be a real problem. But if they can do that and then, and then like I said, turn this into an, a $90 million cap for, for 2020-21, which could be a lockout season. Many of these salaries are already low. So teams can go and make some make some deals and make some movement and get some of these big players moving around a little bit. You've got to generate interest. Well, the, it's the, just life. The, you know, the other part of it is you're talking about postseason and advertising. Um, there are uh, team the the teams that control like the, the, the first round television for their home markets. Sure, uh, that's not built into the season long package. It's a hit if they make the playoffs. Really? Um, yes, I remember it was a surprise the first year at Buffalo they made the playoffs and it was like. Okay, hey, you know, so and so, here's your playoff invoice if you want to continue advertising. And of course they do did, right? We used to get the first two rounds or some some of the second round games. Um, but then the league took over that. I, I'm gonna add to what they should do. Mm-hmm. This is my what I think. They should decrease the supply of games and therefore start your season at the end of October, not the beginning of October. Don't go against football, and you should end your season in May and not June. 
when it's warm out in other markets in the spring markets where people aren't there, if they contracted to 65 games instead of 82, you'd have more people going to your games because there wouldn't be as many games. You'd have more people watching the games because there aren't aren't on every single night. And you could end your season earlier and have higher ratings for your playoff games. That's what I think, anyways. That's what I would do. This has been talked about for baseball. It's been talked about for almost every sport. The reason I think it's never it gets talked about but never happens because it's the owners are going to say, "Wait a minute, that's that's twenty twelve less games I can invoice my advertisers for." There's just doesn't seem to be any real excitement on the ownership side about doing that, even though Kevin it makes perfect sense. We've, ta- we've heard it talked about with baseball. Yes. Go back to 148 games. Please. You know, shorten the season. Um, it was just floated this week by NBA. one of the NBA owners to start the season in December to get away from the NFL and run it into the summer. And it just goes against the norms, and I don't know that it'll ever happen. Well, I, I just I, I think it should. That's if, that, you know Yes, would they, would they have – uh, initial decrease in revenues, yes. There'll probably be a decrease in the outside hockey-related revenues. Hmm. You know, concessions. Um, you know, how, how much you can charge for billboard advertising. Yeah, but you've talked about it on the show, Kevin. Uh, when hockey's not playing, you can rent that space to somebody else. Absolutely, you right? can. More you concerts. can have more concerts, more shows. Yep. Yes. Yep, you can bring a basketball team in, a college team, whatever and, you need to do. But I think I think everybody could win. Except for the players, and the qual- players are going to get less salaries for sixty-five games versus eighty-two. Well, but but but, but the concession you, would be you get rid of that escrow system. Get rid of the escrow system, but if the you can increase, you decrease the supply, you increase the demand, so you can get more for your I, tickets. You can get more in advertising with greater ratings. So it might be the same. And I can't argue with that. You might extend careers yes. because it's less taxing on the player. They want to play World Cup and Not Olympics as many and all. Back-to-back games. Yeah, the quality of the product will be way better. Trust me. When people ask me, "Hey, I'm looking to go to this hockey game," I'm like, "You know what? That's the first game home after a four-game West Coast trip. Don't go. They'll be garbage. Yeah, they'll be awful in that game. I've seen it too many times. Like, and it's because they they come home from time zones. They get one day off and they got to play the next night. They're they're exhausted. Yep. You know, there's there's some games you just look at like the guy doesn't want to play tonight. Yeah, you can third see it. game in four nights, like you know, you you kind of know. Yeah, and you know, for the star players, they're expected to go out there and perform. So it'll be interesting to see how that uh, plays out here, and and it'll be interesting to see if San Jose actually plays games without that, fans. That too. The uh, final thought here, because you mentioned it, and it's important the the gate attendance right now in, in NHL games. Take a guess who's got the top average attendance in 2019-20 for the NHL. Top average attendance, mm-hmm. average not, not game. Not like percentage of arena you're talking about. Top numbers. Numbers. Vegas? I would, I would say it's either Vegas or Vancouver. Your last place, Chicago Blackhawks. Wow. Second, Montreal. Also terrible. Struggling, yes. The worst attendance in the league is the Ottawa Senators. Yes, that's understandable. Really? Yes. They're worse than the Islanders, worse than Florida, Florida, Florida Arizona, and New Jersey right now. Yeah. Team's terrible. Yeah, the arenas, traffic to the arena is awful. It's like twenty miles Ottawa. from downtown. Oh right? God, it was the worst bus trip back to uh, the airport. It was, it was awful, just awful. It's like the they put the arena where the De- you ever been to Denver? Yeah. All right. So there's a city of Denver and there's the airport of Denver, which is like thirty miles away. Right. There you go. Yeah. There's the that's the <laughs> arena in Ottawa. So is Ottawa in trouble of losing their franchise, or can you just not take? The capital of Canada. Uh, it's capital of Canada. <laughs> Boy. 
I, they got to fix something. They, they, they got to fix could something. Could they move what? it to Quebec? Quebec, I was going to say, the only yeah, place. Well, isn't Quebec, that a worse commute? <laughs> Quebec? <laughs> well, Quebec City. Mm-hmm. Um, right on the border there. If the dollar, see, Quebec probably would have got a franchise team, yeah. or they would have been relocated, Carolina or Florida, more so Carolina would have been relocated to Quebec City if the dollar didn't go down. But when the dollar went down, it's a big deal, you're right. it was a huge deal. Because they have an arena all ready to go, do they not? Yes, they have an arena. They had uh, and there's a media company. A real passion there, obviously. Yeah, Quebecor, I think, was the company yeah. that was behind it. And yeah, they had to. Uh, Look, it's a out. it's a really relevant time to be talking about this because not only does the league itself have its own issues, but with the economy doing what it's doing right now because of the coronavirus and because of you know the oil influence and all that, and it's an election year, things are going to be bouncing around no matter what. This is this is a league that's really going to they're going to take a huge hit from all of these outside factors, and if they don't get them get themselves together internally, what are you going to do? You can't market Connor McDavid on twelve million dollars a year in Edmonton with. Split split television markets and a cap that doesn't increase. So there's no player movement, and that's a new arena that's there it. too. Yeah, and it's a fun team to watch. Yes, but 313,000 people are watching it. Well, not good. again, the markets. Yeah, not yeah, good. All right, I want to I want to tell you quickly about the special offer from theAthletic.com. You can join today, get 40 percent off your annual subscription. Go to theAthletic.com/slash Botrack 40 off. Uh, here, I'll spell it out for you to make it easy for you. That's the athletic.com slash S-P-O-T-R-A-C 40 off and save on that subscription. And, you know, it's the future of sports writing right now has been sure. the athletic uh, with, with papers going down. and They do a great job. All right. I feel like we should already be at NFL free agency, but we're not. Not yet. Right? Or Another we're, week. We're in that. We're Another two weeks almost. Right? We're that legal tampering period. Has that even begun that yet? Next week. 16th. Starts, starts on the 16th. 16th. Yeah. Okay. So, but there's already been, say, hey, they're going to sign this guy, that guy. Like, we already know players that are going to go places like Josh Norman uh, with the Bills, the cornerback. Yeah, he's in. Yeah, in uh, the tight end is going to. Olsen's in Seattle. Seattle, yep. right? By like, the way. How do we I, know this if it hasn't been legal tampering period nah, those yet? guys can sign because they were released. Because they were released. Greg Olson was really good on the XFL broadcast over the weekend. So good that, to me, he should stay and do television <laughs> and not keep playing. Well, he was thought about for the Monday he night game, really, right? really, really good. I was very, very impressed. Yes, and I think, I mean, again, my observation was, man, this guy's really good. Why isn't he seeing that and, and, and saying, I've had a great career? Career, let me make this move because I can't believe there aren't TV networks that wouldn't hire him right now. Well, he's getting five and a half million guaranteed from Seattle. Well, okay. He's going to get more than that from ESPN, right? Yeah, if they put him in a big spot. That's what I mean. Would. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we said this about Rivers last week. I think Rivers is going to get you know sign with a team, get himself through minicamp, and realize, yeah, you know what. I'm gonna go sit in front of a microphone for the rest of my yeah. life. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's very possible. There's a lot of there's a lot of talk about that because he he's a polarizing dude. I think I can't wait to hear him in a booth. I think he's going to be animated, loud, kind of rash. I, I'm re- I'm ready for that, but we'll see. I think sounds like Peyton's next, right? Well, well they all continue th- to resist that for a lot of reasons. Yeah, but yeah, but Tony Romo just got yeah, yeah but but I don't. But, come on, but again, like we talked about last week, I, I, I don't want to say I want to say Peyton doesn't necessarily need the money. I, maybe that's erroneous on my part, and because the money is so big now, but he's made. Hundred million dollars or whatever in his career. Oh, way more than that. Uh, Two hundred yeah. million. Two fifty. Yeah. Um, and, and if he chooses to want to have the lifestyle with his kids and not get involved in all that, 
I think we all like are taking it personally that he won't come and do television. He also, but he did television. He did television yeah. on his terms last year with his ESPN Plus stuff. Well, if you're Peyton Manning's agent and you're advising him, isn't it isn't it a risk for him to go do games? Yeah, right for his image. Yeah, in this day and age, when when sure. 50 50 are yeah. going to love you and 50 50 are going to hate you, and if the fifty that hate you are louder, you 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 you're fighting an uphill battle. He's already making money on endorsements. He's still a brand. Uh, It's like hosting the Oscars. You're one comment away from being admonished from. And see, here's the the same with this show, by the way. Because okay, yes, maybe this is the comment (laughs) right now. Um, Peyton Manning has an incredible Teflon reputation. Everybody loves him, right? Who doesn't like Peyton Manning? Right? Cut that meat. Who doesn't like this guy? (laughs) If he goes on TV, that starts to change. Does that make Nationwide Insurance not be as willing to make him a sponsor if he becomes a polarizing figure, which he will to some degree as a television announcer. Right? You've got to be thinking of that kind is of stuff. Is there any chance he's... No matter what the money is, Kevin. He's, uh, he's waiting out Goodell here? Yeah, yeah, I was just going to say. like Maybe. He's got, his future is within Seems football. Seems like there's bigger fish in his... Absolutely. Than doing TV, than doing a bunch of sports center hits. Yes, I think so. Yeah, it's possible. All right, let's look at the top free agents. Here in the NFL, yeah. So we created a, a, a new view, and I want to give Scott Scott Allen a good shout out here. We we created a view where we've kind of ranked the top fifty NFL free agents loosely. I mean, I'm, I didn't really go crazy, you know, putting Derrick Henry in twenty first instead of nineteenth. I didn't go too crazy here, but I uh, I wrote a little blurb about each of these top fifty free agents, and I also did a quick audio hit, about two and a half minutes for each player, talking about market values, some destinations I think these these players belong in. You know, projected contracts, all that fun stuff. There's a bunch of players here that are going to get franchise tagged in the next 48 hours. There's no question about that. And this CBA thing is really a mess right now, by the way. Yeah, this timing is just a mess. Push this franchise tag deadline farther back. Sounds like they're going to give them a couple more days. Well, they Um, have to. And they push the vote back, too, by the way, if you haven't heard. Yeah. They can go to Saturday now in the vote. Well, if they're not going to vote, then you don't know whether you have multiple tags or not. How can they do that? Yeah, I, I, I think. At the end of the day, GMs are just operating with we don't really care. We're gonna just gonna do what we're gonna do, and we'll, we'll flex as needed. Uh, to me, the two teams that are bound to do it are Dallas and Tennessee. And if you're, I don't think Tennessee will franchise tag Ryan Tannehill. So we can talk about him right off, right out of the gate here. Let's just do quick hits here. Sure, I know what I know. I've already said it on the site. Um, stay okay. or go? Does he stay or go? Ryan Tannehill, does go. he stay or go? I think he stays. I think he goes. You think he goes because he's not that. He is what he is. Ten- you got to be better than that. Tennessee wants to upgrade. Yeah, it's not won't be his option, right? Correct. So where's he going? <laughs> Mike didn't ask that question. Back to a backup role, then, right? There's no way he's getting a back to job. a backup role, or if some team gets musical chaired out of it and not doesn't have a legitimate starter. I mean, it, it, Tennessee didn't necessarily win because of what Ryan Tannehill did for them last year. Teams have got to see that he is what he is. He's played long enough to know what you're going to get with him. Do you think the Nick Foles situation is any credence to this? In regards to... He leaves and he's a disaster, right? Yeah. I mean, there was a system in place that's, that clearly worked for Nick yeah, Foles. Because Nick Foles was never really all that good other than that one spurt. And then he got paid off that spurt, and he's kind of gone back to who he is, yeah. which was a guy who was basically ready to retire from the league. Well, he's laughing his way to the bank, but yes. it's right. not, not, not a good I football mean, decision to me, for sure. To me, this whole group of quarterbacks, Mariota, Tannehill... Um, you know, they're, do we not know who they are? I mean, do are, why all of a sudden do we think they're going to be something they've never been before? Now, that well, doesn't always stop I'll NFL teams from wanting to sign them. Rich Gannon. Nick Foles. Yeah, but... <laughs> right. Foles bounced yeah. around. But, Nick Foles. 
but Foles, but what did, what was Foles? He had he had like six games. No, he had more than that. Listen, you're forgetting the part. You're forgetting pre Kansas City Nick Foles when he's with Andy Reid in Philadelphia. Right. He was a pretty good quarterback. He had a nice combination with Jeremy Macklin there. There's been no consistent track record of a guy like Nick Foles, nor has there been of Tannehill, nor has there been of Mariota. So I, smart NFL teams have got to see that, and at best they're backups. At best. There's a team that has no other better option Listen, that will bring them in. It, it, it all comes back to Brady. Yeah, and we if he goes, to, if he goes to Tennessee, but I, I think he goes back to New England. So I think Tannehill stays in Tennessee, but not not at the franchise tag. Not no, at, not at the not franchise at tag. No million or whatever. Right? It's going to cost two for fifty minimum, which is fine. I, I think I'd rather do that. Me too. Uh, yeah. Tannehill than franchise tag him. Which leaves us to Derrick Henry, who should get a $10.5 million franchise tag, right? Yes. That's what every legitimate running back heading to a second contract should get. I would franchise tag Derrick Henry rather than sign him to a long-term deal because of wear and tear and mileage on there. So, yes, I would pay Tannehill the two years or even give him a three-year deal, which would really be a two-year deal, Mm -hmm. and I would franchise tag Derrick Henry. Tom Brady, I think, stays with New England. I don't think he goes anywhere. I think he's he's waiting out the CBA. Here's the other interesting thing with Derrick Henry. If Tom Brady is a Nashville possibility, they got to keep Henry. He's going to want him to keep Henry. They got to figure out a way to keep Conklin their right tackle. You know, so they're going to have to do some maneuvering, but you might say Derrick Henry goes, wait, you're going to sign Tom Brady? I want to stay. Sure. I want to stay and be a part of this. Derrick Henry's staying no matter what. I think so. Yes. I think so. Dak Prescott, stay. Yeah, there was some news last night that Dallas has upped that offer a little bit, sweetened the pot. Look, Dallas wants a five, six-year contract, which you know my thoughts. <laughs> no, right? <laughs> uh, and especially right now, no chance. With TV money coming in two years, there's not a chance that a top echelon quarterback should sign outside of three years. If he has to go to four where three are guaranteed, fine. I mean, that's just fluff. And we can make everybody happy, but three years, hundred and five million, fully guaranteed. Boy, it's a, it's if, a cap adjusted version of Kirk Jack Cousins. Prescott, thirty million dollars a year. You, you run, don't walk to sign that contract. It's thirty five. Thirty five. Thirty five. For, for me, it's thirty five a year, three years, fully guaranteed. For for what arguably might be the eighth or ninth best quarterback That's in the fine. league, you take it. He if was I'm top dad, five in a lot of categories it. last yeah, year. Yeah, but but. To me, that rings hollow. Five in passing yards is useless, meaningless yeah. to me. Are they better off with Teddy Bridgewater? I think they are. Oh. I'm not a Dak Prescott Ooh. fan. Really? Yeah. I think he's good, but he's no more than good. He's never helped them win a lot. He doesn't necessarily win games because of him. He's won when he had a good running game. He won when he had the best offensive line in the league. He's a middle of the pack, anywhere between 8 and 12 on whatever you want to rank him quarterback list. And that's what I think the Cowboys are saying. They're saying that to themselves, which is very smart and un-Cowboy-like because usually Jerry just opens up the checkbook and throws it at guys he likes. Now, Dak brings leadership. Dak brings a great public image. All that stuff is worthy of him being paid. But as a quarterback, I haven't seen any evidence that Dak's a difference-making quarterback. Yeah, the problem is your roster is ready to go right now. You've paid enough pieces to the point of where you can't just take your quarterback away and strip it down, which is what you'd be doing, unless you're bringing to Bridgewater and hope and pray that he's at least on par with Dak in a, long, in a full season, which, that, to me, that's too risky. Well, it's but too risky. I think what you if he if Dak turns that contract offer down, then I think you you franchise him for one more year and you start that search process, knowing that he may not be there. He, beyond uh, that he's turning it down or not even listening 
because the CBA is in limbo right now. Well, There's no smart. question. And that's smart. There's no question. He needs, he needs to read every bullet point and understand how this TV money is going to hit and how the revenue share is going to is going to increase and there's going to be concessions it looks like with that Kevin I know you were you kind of gawked at the fact that it was only 1% or so but you know 6 billion dollars yeah. for a, a percent increase it sounds like the players are finally did you hear the players are trying to get their votes back I heard I heard that yes Ugh. yikes let's get some better, mm. better agents out there folks. Drew Brees <laughs> Drew Brees stays Yeah I'm not that's not that's not even worth yeah. talking about uh Jameis Winston is gone Yes right is he? Well, they said. Then they. I thought I, I read that they want to move on from him. I don't think they have. Oh, a clue well, I think he's gone though. <laughs> I, I think he's gone. I think they they have to say we need to be better than that. But what is better? Like what's available well, to be better? Yeah. Right. Sometimes those are questions NFL teams ask themselves, and sometimes they don't. You know what I'm? Sometimes they just say, I I, I get rid of. I need this guy out. I got to find someone else. Better is definable by whomever you want to ask but they do. are there going to be better i think there are going to they feel like there are going to be options out there to be better than what Jameis winston was um andy dalton is better i think he option is. for the buccaneers than Jameis winston philip rivers may be better yeah if he doesn't go to television or if he colts. decides to play or the colts yeah philip rivers so where does he end up I'm I'm gonna plead the fifth on him. I really don't. I don't know what the best move for him is. I know the Colts are the logical option, so I guess that's my that's my answering without answering kind of thing. But I've heard Tampa Bay too. I guess I, I don't think it's an upgrade. I, I think you can polish Jameis. I really do. Okay. I think you can polish Jameis. He has all the all the intangibles and all the skills to get the to get. Look at they want to throw. Right? Yes. They don't want to hand off to Derrick Henry thirty times a game. So. Can you just clean up or, or devise a system that works best for him and doesn't, you know, doesn't get him crossed up as many times as he did last year, which I realized was a ton. But um, I, I think that's where the league's going anyway. You want these gunslingers out there. That's where many of the teams are drafting. Well, he is that. He is a gunslinger. He's a gunslinger. There's no, no question yeah. about that. Um, uh, Teddy Bridgewater? I don't know. I've, I've got like five teams. You know, you know where my initial thinking Carolina, was. Carolina, right? New England or Carolina seem yeah. seen the better options for him. Wherever but. he goes, he goes in as the de facto locked-in starting quarterback. He, he is yes. the one guy in the market that, that if you need a starting quarterback, you can sign him and not worry about it. Tannehill, Mariota, all those other guys, you're like, mm, let's, if everything falls in place, he'll be okay. Teddy Bridgewater, I think, has clearly established himself as a top-flight experienced guy that can come in and run your offense, put you in the right plays, and win games. Marcus Mariota, the backup in Carolina or Dallas? Chicago. Chicago. Yeah, okay. I like okay. him in Chicago. By the way, Teddy to, ch- to the Chargers sounds good, too. Sure. That sounds about right, uh, especially with Tyrod Taylor there. That seems to be a pretty good one-two punch. Running backs with Derrick Henry staying. Uh, Mel Gordon. Boy, can you imagine? I mean, two, two years ago, this guy was going to be the highest-paid running back in football. And then the fifth-year option, hold out, and... Just some subpar play in 2019 behind Austin Eckler, who Eckler, now yeah. who now got 6.1 million a year. I like Eckler. I don't. A lot. I don't know if Gordon can get six million a year. No, I would. I just, not no. his age and his wear and I just tear. don't know. I mean, just in terms of free agency, you generally don't see teams spend. You know, Mark Ingram got five million last year with Baltimore, and it worked out. That was a nice signing. So are we just cap adjusting that for Melvin Gordon somewhere? Is it five and a half million yeah. to Tampa Bay for a Melvin t- Gordon? T- yeah, or t- Miami. Yeah, Tampa Bay makes right? perfect sense. Or Miami, yes. Yeah. Kenan Drake. Speaking of Miami, yeah, yeah boy, right. should have held on to that guy. <laughs> Arizona wants him, but they're going to have to put a ton of money into the running backs to get him back. He he wants nine million a year for everything I just said. I think that's ridiculous. 
He's probably saying that to get franchise tagged, if I had to guess. He's probably begging for a $10.5 million tag right now, right. saying, you know, I, I like the options and I like that payday because, again— no. Running backs are going to have to start embracing the franchise. No question. You're, as a running back, you're never going to get paid better than the franchise tag. No and question. you have to understand that while the trade-off is only one year of certainty, you're a running back. There is no certainty anymore at that position. Count your chickens. Let's talk about <laughs> wide receivers. A.J. Green likely to be franchised, right? Yeah, but don't sleep Maybe. on a tag and trade. Just, just don't sleep. They're not going to trade Joe Burrow's number one pick. I think they're, they've made that pretty clear. But they have like 47 holes to fill. Yes. Okay, so I I understand the Larry Fitzgerald kind of, you know, keep the veteran receiver around for the young quarterback and, and allow him to grow together. It makes sense if he stays. I don't know if it's $18.5 million makes sense on A.J. Green, but there are going to be teams calling that phone for A.J. Green services, and if it's a second and a third, right? You have to look at it for sure. They have to consider that. Mari Cooper. Transition tag, it sounds like sixteen, about $16.5 million. So they're going to pump about $43 million into tagging Dak and Amari. If they can. Well, they can for tag now, them if they, if for they now, accept the offer. Saying, right, yeah. If they can under the new CBA. They won't be able to. Once the CBA signed and ratified, which who knows, then they'll have to rescind most likely Amari, or they've got a long-term deal in place for Dak at that point, and they can keep Amari on the transition tag. So I think they both get, get tagged. I don't know. We, we talked about how Amari just has to stay because of what they gave up in the trade, but it just seems like they want him to walk. No? I, I, it seems to me like they value him, but but only because they've got all these other things they have to handle that you're going you're gonna to wind up losing out because they love you and they want you, but they can't afford you. Let's talk about tight ends. Hunter Henry, Austin Hooper, Eric Henry, Ebron. Henry's getting tagged. Uh, they want to see what the next quarterback there can do with a, a legit tight end. Hooper is going to be an Hooper's extra. interesting. Yeah, he uh, he's New not going to be. Yeah, New England, Chicago. Uh, there's there's some teams out there for sure that are going to be vying for his services, and he's not going to be 14 million a year like some of these other tight ends will be. I, I think it's about 10 million a year. There's going to be maybe three four offers for him, so it could get up a little higher because of the demand. But nice player. Let, let's um, go to some uh, names people are going to know here. Yeah. Like uh, we'll pass over the offensive lineman, although there's uh, some good players there. But Chris Jones. Likely be franchise tagged for the Chiefs. Yeah, but do they keep him? Oh, he's so good. He is really he I so love him. good. I love him. But they they did tag and trade last year with D Ford, uh, and then they acquired Frank Clark, which Different was position, sort of awkward. No, Different. Yeah, you know, but, there's but it's very a position few guys like paid. Yeah, but there's so that's why he's the, he's an anomaly at the position based on all the things he does. Rush the passer. He's a different D tackle that I. I I think you, you got to pay that. You gotta He's versatile. That. There's you no can't, question. You're not, put it this way, you replace D. Ford with Frank Clark relatively easily. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you're replacing Chris Jones with anybody on the market. That's fair. But I think from a price tag standpoint. It's a lot of money, one spot, a yep. spot that you rotate. Most teams rotate. Most teams. Most but teams he rotate. Does, he does flex. Paul's right. He's a versatile player enough to where he's worth his $18 million a year. All right, let's talk about the edge. Man, there's a lot of them. Jadavian Clowney. To, to my point, that you can, if you can let one walk, there's guys that you can replace. But it's a with. pretty good draft for this too, right? That too, yeah. It's a wide receiver draft. It's an edge rusher draft. Right. It's an offensive tackle for draft. for the same reasons there's a ton of wide receivers, there's a ton of guys who rush the passer because everybody throws the ball now. I, I love Bud Dupree from the Steelers. <laughs> Like how do they? How, they have to tag. They really him. can't afford to tag him, but they're going to tag him, and they're going to release three or four players to, just to fit him in. I don't to. know if that's worth from a team building standpoint. He's a nice player, but look at he just kind of came on in 2019. 
he, so he kind of underachieved most of his career. Oh yeah, as a first so round he's pick. the perfect candidate for a right. tag because you need to see another year of it. But it's going to be an expensive. It's going to come with a cost for sure. Clowney's interesting to me. I would take Barrett before Clowney because I think there's a misperception that Clowney is a great pass rusher. He never. He he's a good pass rusher. He's never been a great edge rush. He's a little more of a bigger, stockier, mm-hmm. kind of hold the edge Set defensive. The edge. But mm-hmm. but he probably wants to get paid like a pass rusher, and people will expect him to get paid like a pass rusher. This is where a smart team will go. He's not He's 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 a eight sack a year guy, not a fifteen sack a so year he's Michael guy. Bennett. Do I want to spend my money on that? But again, he, there there may be no more defensive lineman in the last ten years who has been more hyped <laughs> than Jadavian Clowney. And why was he hyped? Because of a run play, not a sack. Right. The play in South the Carolina, bowl game Michigan. against Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. True. And then he turned into the number one overall pick and. Was and people for think he, seven people, but he couldn't stay healthy, and <laughs> yeah. people think he underachieved because they rate, they expected him to be a twenty sack a year guy, and I don't know that he was ever going to. Dante be that. Fowler, better pass rusher, true than pass Clowney, rusher, right? Maybe. Look at you, if you read the analysis I gave that you guys are speaking right to right to what I talked about here. I think Clowney knows now that he's not a twenty sack guy, and I think Seattle knows it, and I think it's a good marriage. And he takes, I think he stays. He takes sixteen Clowney. to seventeen million a year to become that. That legitimate, you know, run stopping, set the edge kind of player, and they can go young on a on a on a get the quarterback guy. Look at he's not much from a production standpoint. He's not much different than Robert Quinn. <laughs> Robert yeah. Quinn has had back to back great years. He was quietly super solid in Dallas last year amidst, amidst a ton of great defensive players. So if teams know that, and Robert Quinn's going to cost twelve, then paying Jadavi Javian eighteen is just silly in my opinion. What about Ngakwe? Same with him. Right. I think he's in this conversation. He's he's got a ceiling, and I think teams know it. He, I, I don't think now look, Jacksonville, players that, that come through Jacksonville, especially right now, they're being deflated a little bit. There's no question. That's why he wants out. He wants greener, greener grass to go and see if he can reach a higher ceiling. I just don't think he'll get paid for it this time. So it might be a little short term bridge deal somewhere. He's gonna get tagged, by the way. So there's gonna be a tag and trade. There's no question. This is gonna be a second round pick trade. Somebody's going to pull him in and give him a chance. You know who I think that's going to be, right? Buffalo? No. Good question. That's good, though. I think it's going to be New England. New England loves these kind of take a flyer for a mid-round pick on, on a player like this and then let him let him flourish, and then before you have to pay him $100 million to get him out of town. But <laughs> to me, that's that seems about right. But th- that's his future, similar to what Clowney had last year, tag and trade, and then you know we'll see what happens. Uh, any other players of note here on the defensive side? Well, I, I mentioned New England. There are New England's got a couple of really important players on this top free agent list: Kyle Van Noy, Joe Thune, uh, Devin McCourty. Just players that are really, really important core guys for them. Core, yeah, McCourty especially. And I know he's going to be 32, 33 years old, but it just seems like that's a player you probably can't lose right now. I don't think they can lose any of anyone on that defense right well, now. Well, but just seemed to work so well. See, McCourty would me to me falls under the New England scenario of they may decide not to pay a thirty-two year old guy, even though he's been a great player and a leader and a stalwart. That's how New England always operates. Are we going to give a thirty-two year old guy who's only getting worse, not better, big money? It's an eleven and a half million dollar tag. I think there's a real possibility of it. Okay, yeah. that's not crazy money. Yeah, um, Van Noy's a really a really he's good, good player. player. You know, you always wondered if he goes somewhere else, is he not as good? That's he's right. Not in that New England system. Um, again, to me, New England should say we need this guy, and he probably should say I'm not going to be better off anywhere other than here. But if there's another five million a year to be had by somebody else, it's hard to say no. And then the only other player here is Byron Jones, who's the Cowboys cornerback who 
past three years has just gradually, gradually made a name for himself. Certainly Dallas won't be able to afford him with everyone else we talked about. It just seems like the Raiders or the Eagles are going to make a crazy big splash for this guy. Big time numbers. All right. Speaking of big time numbers, we're going to transition and end today's show with esports and and live action sports, and it all revolves around Madden, mm-hmm. Madden football. We're talking about Romo, right? As a commentator, John Madden, whom my kids know from Madden, <laughs> the video game. They don't know John Madden was a coach and a broadcaster, and they put his name, you know, to sell the the video games. I heard a I heard an. Uh... A podcast a couple of weeks ago talking about Charlotte, the Charlotte Hornets. Yes, and Michael Jordan owns them, and he'll not all. He sold a big stake in it, he's but still he still, involved. He still yeah. owns it. Yeah, he, uh, he he's pretty involved. I mean, he's he's pretty visible down there, especially during the during the week and things like that. But none, none of the young fans know him as Michael Jordan. Right, they know him as sneakers. Correct. That's it. That's literally all they know him as. People have to explain who this who this guy well, was. Well, because you he's know, he's not just the owner. He's <laughs> The Listen, there, there's th- three, well, four generational players, right? Uh, I'll put Magic and Bird as the first, mm-hmm. right? Uh, kind of for us, Paul, um, more so for you. And then uh, Thank you. Jordan for, for, for probably Mike and I, who yeah. just turned 40. Yeah. Happy birthday, Thank by you. the way. Thanks for inviting us to the party. Um, <laughs> I sat on the couch alone crying. <laughs> um, you had Magic and Bird, then you had Michael Jordan, then he had Kobe Bryant. Kobe and Shaq. Right? Yeah. Uh, Shaq, but, I, you know, more so. Well, yeah, everybody knows Shaq. Yeah. Shaq and Kobe, fine. And then you have LeBron, right? Yeah. Um, there are going to be people that all they know is LeBron. They didn't know Kobe, frankly. So, But, yes, it's weird. Michael Jordan, um, I think, was the best ever. Uh, but I think that's probably just because, uh, you know, I saw it all. Yeah, right? you mentioned Madden, and you're right. I mean, there's an entire generation that only knows him because of a video game. Here's a fun tidbit on John Madden. We're talking Tony Romo and his money. There was a point in time when John Madden made, I think it was $850,000 to broadcast an NFL game, which was more than any player in football made. Wow. He was making more than any player in the NFL yeah. at the time. That's how, that's how valuable he was to the league. And Because he, he dumbed everything down, right? I mean, he's just big, gregarious guy with huge eyebrows and was like, whap, fap, boom, right? I mean. <laughs> he was a Saturday Night Live dream. Yeah. Yes, he was. <laughs> um, and, he, you know. He just, he was great, right? Everybody could relate to John Madden. Yep. Pretty cool that his legacy will live on oh, incredible. in this realm. There's an ESPN 30 for 30 podcast about the, the legacy of Madden video games and how involved he was and how involved he remains. It's, oh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's that, the other that, thing. That, that it is brilliant stuff. And they stuff. do it the way he wanted oh, or they wouldn't let him use their name. They've got to look exactly like they look. Right. They've got to move like they move. It's, then they have to scrap the entire game because... They had it already, and they showed it to him. He's like, "That's not realistic. Yeah. I'm not putting my name on." Yeah, it. he really had put a stamp on this thing, and he is getting paid handsomely. So the esports <laughs> thing is super interesting. I mean, they are selling out arenas okay, look. right now. You've got major sports team owners that are investing in it. Colleges it may very well be colleges are starting esports teams. It may very well be the future of sports. So I look- just saw Josh Mora um, in Orlando. You know, who Josh Mora is. No. So Josh used to be a media personality in Buffalo and Chicago. Um, he's now at Full Sail University, uh, helps start the Dan Patrick School yeah, of Broadcasting, cool. but also involved in their esports arena um, and what they've done there. And they've got this awesome esports arena in Orlando, Florida at Full Sail University. It's a for-profit college. Um, hmm. but So they have a team there like with the idea of, hey, we're going to host these events and 
get people to come there and have a, have an awesome squad, if you will. So two two points here as we get, dive into this a little bit. Number one, I woke up this morning. I, I wrote the show notes last night. Woke up this morning, and the NFL now has a new partnership with Two K Sports. You know that from the basketball games. They're gonna build. They're gonna create three to four new video games through Two K as well, but they have to be non simulation. Madden EA Sports owns the NFL rights to simulated football games. Interesting. Wow. So smart. That was I a smart decision. I was trying to rack my brain as to where that would go. How do you build a video game tied to football that's non-simulated? Is it going to be like a football manager kind of game? I don't know. Right? Wow. I, I, so really, so the point I'm making here is this, this stuff is coming. All right? They're coming. Everybody knows that this is the next wave. And Paul, to your point, and, and to, to, the, to the full sale point, the sports version of eSport really hasn't gotten there yet. It's a, there's a huge audience for it. But in terms of professional, a professional eSport, you know, your League of Legend, Legends, your Overwatch, we mentioned it. We had a show about that a couple of m- months ago. Those are your dominating actual professional eSport leagues right now. Um, the, the Madden and the FIFA, they're, they're more vanity right now. And like I said, there's a huge audience for them. But there, there's no like, real formalized league for it that's tied to the, to the professional sport itself. Even though, as you mentioned, NFL owners, NBA owners, they're all in. They're, they're, they're investing in this thing yes. left and right. They, they, Madden, so again, I'm, I, I'll look at this from what my teenage son plays. Sure. And it went from Minecraft Right, Fortnite to Fortnite yep. to Overwatch, and now Madden. And really, yes. So oh, yeah. Is he doing the online stuff? Yes, he plays a ton of Madden. So yes. is he trying to qualify for the tournaments and all that? Because that's no, no. So I just did some quick research. This is how it works. They go back and forth between Madden and Overwatch. Oh, that's great. You know what? You know what that means? If if the, if for your not just your young teenager, but a lot of kids that age playing Madden, you know who that means you don't want to ever grow up to be now an offensive coordinator. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> because now and and it's the Madden, uh, it's the Madden effect on everybody thinks they know how to call plays and everybody yeah. and that's why there's so much angst and criticism in every NFL city about but, every offensive coordinator. I absolutely think that's part of the whole reason why those guys seem to be the number one target for disgruntled fans. Because of the video game? Yes. Oh, the refs too, right? Well, the refs. <laughs> but yes, Kevin, because everybody who's played Madden, it's a lot of people that have grown up playing it, thinks they know how sure. to call plays. It's raise the level of armchair quarterback. Yes. That's for that's, thank you, Mike. That's a better way to say <laughs> it. Do you know why they, they get criticized? Because a quarterback misses the pass. Well, Because Jameis right? has 30 there yes. aren't, there aren't enough good quarterbacks. <laughs> but people who think you should have thrown the bomb on every play are never going to be happy. Let, let Mike continue to explain why we should uh, let well, our kids play we, this. Well, we, we had the <laughs> NHL discussion about how like attendance means everything in that league right now. And there's still uh, many sports where that exists. I don't think NFL is one of them. I don't think they care if they're sold out or not. The TV money is so important to the NFL yes. that if you get you know sixty thousand fans versus forty thousand fans, it's really not going to damage too much for that for that franchise. Some some cities more than others, obviously, but um, there's going to be a point very soon. I think we're there with many teams where we got to do something to get people here. And even if they're not coming to watch the game, we just got to get them here, buying our pop and beer soda, excuse me, and. Uh, Doing other beverages. things, and and one of the one of the ways they're doing this, I, I know in D.C., the baseball and the hockey arenas, the, there's sports gambling kiosks and centers being built right now. I think they may actually be launched right now in the hockey arena, where you're coming and you might be sitting at a bar at the arena, just live betting, drinking some beers, watching the game on TV, even though it's happening 45 feet in front of you, <laughs> literally. Yes. And I think that's going to be a big big part of these renovated stadiums. 
especially the Vegas. Obviously, Vegas has, is conducive to all this conversation. But esports can be a part of this. And it's for all the reasons we just mentioned. So right now with Madden and FIFA, the big sports games, you, you, you kind of play the, the online version at home right now. Is there any panic amongst leagues that, no. that people will gravitate towards playing these games and not watching their games? Or is there a symmetry between the two of them? Well, my proposal here kind of cross-pollinates the whole situation. So you're saying Full State University has an arena where players can go and, ha- and have these tournaments or, or whatever, rent it out. I mean, that sounds like a great idea, actually. Uh, I'm saying stadiums need to start bringing that into their arenas. Okay, so if I'm the Los Angeles Rams and I'm building this $4 billion stadium, I better have an esports arena in there. Because I, I think what's, hap- what's going to happen eventually with Madden, because I, I'm telling you, the NFL and Madden are one. These, these, these two, EA Sports and the Madden franchise and the NFL, they are one. The NFL backs all the Madden tournaments. You, could, you win the Madden tournament, you're, you're getting about $750,000 right now. So it's, wow. it's behind the, the Overwatches and the League of Legends. Those guys are making millions plus base salaries. But the Madden sports is coming, and the NFL is, is funding it, essentially. So it's going to be a thing where the Buffalo Bills are going to have their own eSport franchise for Madden. You're going you're to have to try out and make the Bills eSport franchise. And then you're going to have 32 eSport leagues, eSport franchises. And it could be aligned with the actual NFL schedule. So if the Bills are, play, are hosting the Jets week one of 2020, the eSport arena would also have the Bills versus the Jets eSport franchises playing each other in the, in the stadium at the same time. And you'd have TV and in-stadium updates to, hey, you know, in, in the eSport game, the Bills are up 21 nothing, even though they're losing 47-3 to in, in the real game. There, there can be an actual cross-pollination of these things happening at the same time, and you have the actual live-action game happening versus the eSport game, but it's not going to be happening at home or it's not going to be happening in some convention center. It's going to be happening in the arena, in the stadium, aligned and funded by the actual team itself. I, think, I think it's coming. You don't think there's any concern that that will pull people away from the actual? It's a whole different audience. These yeah, kids already don't want to go to the game. But, but if yeah, they're going to play how, that game, what about play it 20 here? years down the road? They're going to be paid by the Bills. They're going to be paid by the NFL. This is going to be a, funded by the NFL team. It's going gonna, it's gonna to exist as an NFL franchise, an NFL eSport franchise, and it's going to have a schedule. You're going to be able to bet on it. You can bet on the actual Bills-Jets game versus the eSport Bills-Jets game. I was going to ask you. Everything's going to align itself. Where's the revenue come from the Bills eSports team? Well, first of all, you, you host the tournament, so you've got all the concessions in the spot. Look, they're already getting Starbucks and Pizza Hut and MasterCard and Honda, gigantic sponsors for, for the Madden tournaments. So you bring that in, and you bring the NFL sponsors, and you say, hey, it's, it's 80% to, to get the live-action sponsorship, and then it's an extra 20% to get the eSports sponsorship. Everybody's, everybody's going to make a ton of dough on this. Not to mention these Madden players that sit at home like your son, you know, four or five nights a week playing. He doesn't play well. <laughs> he wants to. Sure. You don't let him play on the weekends. Yeah, your yeah. air quotes being a good parent. Trying to. So, uh, but there's, a, there's, a, there's an end game. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, yeah. I want to be, be a professional esport Madden player for the Buffalo Bills. The, yeah, kids, kids, now wanna, draw? kids now want to be pro gamers. There's no question, question about it. There's a lot of kids out there aren't are not dreaming of being uh, the quarterback in the NFL. So, they dream of being the esports guy. And, yes. and, and my point is, whereas your Overwatches and your Fortnites and your League of Legends have their own thing going and they're making a ton of money, I think instead of Madden doing that and standing alone, and, and creating its own league with franchises, which it, it is doing right now and, and holding its own tournaments, 
I think that then that melds into the actual NFL, who's already paying for it, and and the two become one. And you're gonna you're gonna have esport NFL aligned with live action NFL, and it's all gonna be gambled on. Fantasy sports. Look, you can already go to DraftKings right now and have an esport lineup. You can go to FanDuel Sportsbook and you can bet esports. You can bet everything. You can bet everything. So. It's already happening. It's just I think it's got to come together into a conglomeration, and I think the NFL will back it. Listen, that this and, and this is not crazy. No, um, only because my son ordered a T-shirt of his favorite Overwatch League team. I'm like, what? Yeah, really? This it's is a thing. Legitimate. Yeah, it's legit. It's legit. You're gonna be able. You're gonna be dropping your kids off at the eSport arena to watch the Madden eSport game, and then go watch the football game fifty feet away. Or, live action game. or you just have it in opposite spots, right? So sure. if Buffalo's at the New York Jets, you have the Jets team at Buffalo. Oh, interesting. Fair enough. Right? Yeah, there's a, there's, I don't have this all hashed out. I just think this is a logical next step. If the NFL is already paying for most of this and funding it, and, this, and they're essentially driving the sponsorships to it already, then it's just a matter of time before they actually bring this thing in and own the content, right? That's what it's all about. Yeah. Own, own the content. And if you're, yeah, again, it's already happening in college where they yeah. have college teams. Paul's head spinning right now. You can't, you it can't is. believe this is happening. No, and, and you know, again, just at my age and my generation, there is a lot of like, wow, to all of this. Yeah, you've got to really peak every. There's just what we didn't have 25 years ago were these splits and in you're audiences. not that old, Paul. We make it sound like uh, you're not. Right, I feel no, when I was a kid. This conversation, I feel an awful lot older. <laughs> Yeah, but when I you when know, I was a kid, I played Tecmo Bowl in the there, early, the there early were no, Maddens. There were no yeah. Pong leagues when I when video games came into my life. Yeah, but yeah, but uh, Tecmo Bowl was awesome. By yes, the way. yeah, when Tecmo Bowl came out, you know Atari and all those things. You want to go to the arcade, like but your parents, it was your parents arcades. that was the, yep. the, the the esports arena was going to the arcade. But your parents were like, "What are you doing, wasting your time with that stuff?" Right. It's the same thing. But but here's Mom, the difference. You got any quarters? Yeah, here's the right. difference. And Paul goes back to your point. Tecmo Bowl was fun because it was just just this vanity thing where Bo Jackson was. Yep. an absolute monster. Yep. These games now are ridiculously real life. Oh, they're they're It's incredible. your offensive coordinator point. Yes. Yes, that's the real playbook and everything actually works and feels the same way. I mean, you, you play a baseball video game and Bryce Harper's your batter. That's his exact swing down to the 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 paint the, the motion of his pinky on the no bat. No question. I mean, everything's actual real real life. So, start making money off. And it. players get upset at their ratings. In Madden, it's a real thing. When Madden ratings come out, Twitter goes crazy. You know the greatest thing they can do? Because uh, I, I I sat down and played a little bit uh, with my older son on it. Um, he got you can meld current players with yeah. former players. Yeah, and he'd be a, he'd be asking me, oh, should I have Lawrence Taylor in here or yes? Yeah, should I go with Teddy yes. Teddy Bruschi? I'm like yeah. Lawrence no. Taylor. Yes, the greatest Lawrence player Taylor. ever. Thank you. Right? Greatest Thank defensive you. player ever Absolutely. in football. The most dominating defensive player I have ever seen in my lifetime. Oh, he was incredible. Yeah. For for those you, you, do you remember Lawrence Taylor? Of course. Okay. Yeah. One of my he, favorite football cards back in the day. Yeah, he was incredible. Okay. A lot of stuff there to digest on today's episode. Brought to you by The Athletic and Athletic.com. A great sports news site. All the in-depth coverage. Join today, get 40% off of your subscription by using theathletic.com slash track 40 off. That's S-P-O-T-R-A-C 40 off. Make sure you check out the premium section of spottrack.com. Add free experience plus some bonus content there. And look for uh, Mike's updated podcast later on in the week. 
Until then, thanks for listening. For Mike Gennetti, Paul Peck, I'm Kevin Sylvester. Thanks for listening to the Spot Track Podcast.